we're all afraid in medicine, I think, to be honest about how we're feeling, because so much of it is prioritizing being strong or presenting being strong. And so people are scared to say, like, I have anxiety and I feel uncomfortable and I have imposter syndrome and this is hard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Scrubbing Out. We're here to unpack the culture within medicine, from medical schools to hospitals to health systems. And hopefully together we can scrub into the best parts of medicine and out of other parts that might contribute to physician burnout. Let's get into it. Please welcome our guest today, Alex Payne, fellow medical student at Georgetown University and just beginning her fourth year. Welcome, Alex. I'm Alex Payne. Um, I grew up outside of Charlottesville, Virginia, in the middle of nowhere, um, so kind of near the Blue Ridge Mountains. My parents are really big hippies, so I was raised on a farm, um, which I feel like was an interesting upbringing, definitely um, a good upbringing. And then I went to William and Mary for college, and then I went straight through to medical school. Um, so I've never had the pleasure of uh, existing outside of uh, higher education. So, um, you know, I know you guys had kind of gap years and did interesting things. I uh... No, I mean, I think it's funny that you say that because I feel like that's something that we should talk about is like the, the difference of experience of someone who goes straight to medical school and who hasn't had sort of like a professional kind of life outside of medicine and outside of like academic institutions and like on some level I feel like uh, that's been like that's been so important to me to have that experience but then on another I'm like would it have been better for me to just blinders and would this experience have been less painful in some ways if I just like weren't aware of the other kind of you know, paths that I could have taken. Yeah. And I think, yeah, we'll get into that more, but I think it's like a sweet spot and it's obviously like so person dependent. Yes. No, I mean, I think that was my theory was that I would not know how great it is to work and have um, time outside of work. Um, And I think the con is that I've kind of had to develop my identity as an adult through going through med school where we don't have as much time for uh, personal time. And so that's a little bit harder. Um, But I've, I mean, I've been studying for my whole life now. So that part, I think it's easier than working and then transitioning back to studying 24 seven. Cons, pros and cons. Absolutely. Um, Why did you originally apply to medical school? Sure. Um, And I think definitely having a good answer for this, given that we're in fourth year and we're about to do residency interviews. Um, Why did I apply to medical school? Good question. Yeah. um, So um, my mom had, um, before I was born, she was diagnosed with a pretty aggressive form of inflammatory breast cancer and was given some pretty unfavorable odds to live and then to have the family that I think she had hoped she would have. Um, and despite all of that, she did survive and then married my dad and had me, um, who she's (laughs) called her miracle baby, which feels very strange to be called that. But, um, I think the way that I've watched her talk about her oncologists and the doctors that 
literally saved her life. Um, you know, every year we would write Christmas cards to her oncologist and put my school picture in them and I would sign them. And I think that makes it really easy to want to be a doctor, seeing how it affects people on the other side, the patients. So I think that kind of formed my opinion of the medical field. And then as I grew up and I liked science and I was type A and an overachiever, it made it <laughs> kind of a clear choice for me. Get all the ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like those, those like reasons, because I know we're really good at, you know, making a story that makes sense to like our like listeners, readers, all of these things, because we're so good at applying. Do you feel like those reasons like are still like, I mean, that is an incredibly like powerful thing to have like a family member who cares so deeply and that's a very visceral thing to like come back to you. But do you feel like, like when you think about like day-to-day -day, like medicine and why like, now you're in it like what what's kind of like changed for you or is it like truly do you like bring that story to mind when you're in really tough days and I think it's more complicated than how I originally viewed it because I think the way medicine has kind of changed and now everything's so hyper specialized there's no like person that's saving someone or there are but more and more so it's we're all kind of working on different aspects of a patient's health and that combined makes their life better and makes their health better. Um, I'm not going into uh, oncology, so I think that also kind of changes it uh, a little bit. So I'm going into a specialty that focuses more on quality of life improvement than necessarily um, kind of the focus of oncology of sa saving people's lives. I think we, I, I believe in urology and I love urology and I do think that there's a lot of uh, cancer in it and there's a lot of saving people's lives in it, but I think a lot of it is more quality of life improvement. Um, so I, I, I think that picture, and like you said, it's, it's a good story to tell. It's very hallmarky, um, but I think it's more complicated than that. And I think med school taught me that it's more complicated than that. It was an idealistic view of medicine. Do you, I mean, do you think you could expand upon that? Like what, what are some of the, th the ways in which your, your perspective on medicine has changed kind of since you applied versus now? I think we're all obviously optimistic and really caring people. We wouldn't do this. Um, you give up so much to be in medicine and we wouldn't do this if we didn't care a lot. Um, I think it's important to kind of mature and have your your view of medicine change because I think it's um, it's more of a mature view I think that I have now looking at the good parts of medicine and the bad parts of medicine I think not acknowledging kind of the ways that we're failing people or we're failing ourselves is going to keep us from getting better um, I think medicine's a very old institution, it's very historical, and I think it's very slow moving as a result. And I, I think looking at it in a very real way is the only way that we're going to make it better for patients and for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I just want to, I think that, you know, we are going to have a lot of maybe different people from different backgrounds listening to this. So like when you say fail ourselves in medicine, like, what do you mean by that? I think that- Or fail our patients. Sure. So in regards to ourselves, I think it's no, it's not news to us, but maybe for 
other people listening, there's a lot of things that I love about going into medicine, but I think there's a lot of things that we give up. Um, I don't spend as much time with my family as I would like, or my friends. Um, we work really hard and we're not even residents yet. And so people burn out very quickly. And then we exist in a system where, you know, a lot of the decision-making for patients is based off of insurance companies and pharmaceutical companies. And um, I think we're doing, I hope that we're doing the best to provide the best care for people, but it's not a system where doctors are purely treating patients. There's a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen making these decisions. And then I also think historically medicine has failed a lot of different minority groups in a lot of different ways. I mean, through excluding people from research or researching on certain groups without their consent, providing suboptimal treatment to certain groups of people, ignoring a lot of women in how they feel about their bodies. I mean, the list goes on and on. So that's yeah. kind of what <laughs> there's it's a long list. I don't want to I mean, we we have a lot of gripes. Yes, and I think that, that that is so important to be like, yeah, specific because I think we all have this like kind of shared knowledge and some people just really don't understand like the level of disillusionment people even within this thing that believe very deeply in it have. Kind of related to your changing perspective on medicine and kind of, you, you know, talking about how it, the ways in which it's like complicated and matured and, and nuanced. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to the ways that you've, you've changed as a person um, through that process. I think going through medical school is uh, uncomfortable. It's, there's a lot of growing pains. I think you're put in a lot of situations that maybe you wouldn't necessarily put yourself in. I mean, I remember before starting third year, which is the year that we go through and rotate through all of the specialties, I was thinking in my head, how am I gonna knock on a patient's door and walk in and talk to them? It just seemed like such a scary concept to me. And throughout third year, you do that over and over again. And now I feel confident in clinic going and speaking to patients by myself. And I feel like I have, the ability to counsel people and ask them the right questions. But from getting to that point to where I am now is it's painful. And there's a lot of um, missteps and a lot of um, awkwardness and fumbling, and that can be kind of painful. I think that through that, I've become a more confident person, which sounds strange because I think you would think the opposite, but there, you have to have kind of a resilience to get through it. And I think it makes you, I hope it makes us stronger. I don't know if it always does. Um, I think there's parts of me that are definitely more insecure, uh, the imposter syndrome. Definitely. But yeah. I think in general, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's so like real, like when you go into obviously it's like when you get more comfortable with something you're you're more confident in it but like to have to like when the patient's sitting on the other side they don't really think that like the person walking in is so nervous or inexperienced or I mean they might have their own if they're you know involved in medicine they might have their own preconceptions around it but like to come in and have to elevate to that level over and over again and kind of perceive that this person like thinks I'm a competent professional like 
there is something that is working about that system, although it can be very hard when then the people on your team might not also view you as that like common threshold. It's like break, building you up and breaking you down in different ways. Um, and speaking of that, like, how do you feel that you've had some like really like maybe tough moments on the war? Like, what was that like for you? Um, I think to answer that question and a little bit just as a lead in, I, I had early on a resident talk to me about the discomfort that we feel. And I remember him, he was talking about his intern year, but saying that every day he felt like he was failing at things and he would just try to pick one thing every day to get a little bit better. And the next day, hopefully not make that mistake again. I think that's maybe not every day. <laughs> I think that's a longer process, but I think I, I tried to focus on learning medicine is very good at giving you feedback whether you want it or not um real-time feedback all the time which makes you better but i think most of us didn't come from either careers or school where we had people in real time correcting us all of the time and so a filter <laughs> you learn how to have a thick skin and how to how to accept that and kind of incorporate it but sometimes you have 10 people telling you how to do something all at once and you're like I don't know what to do <laughs> and you have to learn how to not freeze <laughs> right or you have one person telling you to do something this way and then you have another person who's equally if not more important to your team telling you to do it another way <laughs> you're just like what I, yeah what do you want from me <laughs> and then you go on another rotation and the attendings like who told you to do that right and exactly exactly <laughs> like a week ago they told me to do it this way so yeah, and you will never benefit from bringing up that past experience to this, you know, yeah, I, this new professional. I guess I'm like, if you feel comfortable, can you talk about kind of your lowest low? I mean, you, you kind of talked about how this resident you know, coached you or offered you some ways of thinking through how to make it through like, like third year and intern year, these like challenging years where you just feel like you're making nothing but mistakes, right? Like, do you, has there been, or have there been critical moments throughout, I guess, preclinical and then clinical where you felt like this is really like untenable. This is really like uncomfortable in a way that I can't kind of think myself out of it in these, using these tools. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, but um, I'm probably not the only person. I, during one of my rotations, I, I cried in the OR, which I had hoped that I would never do. I, it was a stressful day. Um, and I think everyone was really tired and really on edge, but it had been a day of a lot of people correcting me in not so kind ways. Um, I like to think about myself as a tough person, so I, I'm not a crier, but it had been a day of a lot of nurses shutting doors on my face, people saying they don't like med students around, people kind of what we were talking about, the how, how did you get by doing it this long, how did you get into medical school, like just these comments that accumulate, and so I just kind of reached my limit. And I was wearing an N95 and goggles and another mask. So luckily, I don't think most people saw it, but I just turned to my attending and said, I need to step out. And I stepped out of the OR and I took all of my PPE off and went in a room and just composed myself. I think 
a lot of us know that when you start crying, it's hard to stop. And I went back in, I re-scrubbed, I went back into the procedure and finished it. And then I spoke to the attending um, at the end of the day. I just went into his office and said, I don't know if you noticed, but I had an emotional reaction today. And I just wanted to talk about how we can make this learning environment more productive for me, because I don't feel like this is a safe learning environment for me right now. And uh, I, I, I am proud of myself for doing that. I think that in a lot of ways, I'm surprised that I mustered up <laughs> the confidence to do that. But he was really receptive and it was a really good conversation and it was better the next day. But that was not fun. Um, definitely embarrassing. But I don't think that that's an uncommon experience, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I will I will say like I don't think that some of that, you know, verbal emotional stuff going on, that culture is um unheard of, but the way you reacted, honestly, I would say is pretty rare to like sit the person down and tell them that especially as like a novice on the team to like really voice like you know, like I statements like how you're feeling and and just hope that they're gonna receive it that way. And I think that you know, I was going to say, you because when you first were talking about it, you said, I went into the room and I composed myself, right? There was so, so much focus on going back out there to be a strong member of the team rather than like processing what had happened to you. But like, I think so much in medicine, like you have to keep moving because it's part of that, like that clinical like triaging, you have to see the next patient. But what you did by going back and actually like that as a form of processing and like learning from the experience is so important. And like, I can only hope that I have like the, the confidence um, and like, yeah, to just like do that in those moments. Cause I think that's actually sometimes what can make that like emotional just like burden, like later on where you don't know where it built up from actually lighter throughout. So I, I definitely want to like commend you on, on doing that. I do want to preface though and say that I've been in many other situations where I did not say something that was towards the end of third year where I felt like I had more of a right to defend my learning environment. I think we all have a right to a safe and productive learning environment. And I think 99% of the time, well, that's true. I think getting more comfortable and saying, you know, I'm, I'm here to learn and I, I don't have a right to people being not, people don't even need to be nice to me, but just respectful. There, there have been rotations that I've been on, you know, unfortunately that have been like pretty consistently upsetting in that way. And, you know, I think the, the fear on some level for, I think retaliation, the fear that it'll impact your evaluation, the, the notion in, you know, we've talked about this a bit, but like the notion that complaining or identifying something as problematic means that you are in some way too sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to, to be successful in this space, right. That you are like, in some way, like you lack kind of the toughness and the re resilience that's required of, of people in medicine. And I think that one thing I feel like I keep coming back to in conversations like these is like, everyone feels that way, but people are really hurting as a consequence of that. And uh, I, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Ash. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and also, um, to be honest, if we had not had a pass fail third year, I probably would not have said anything because 
I would have had the pressure. I mean, you're still being graded, right? It's still hard to pass in medical school. But if I had been hoping for honors as someone going into a surgical specialty, I would not have said anything. And so I think that's one of the many benefits of us being pass fail is I think it's creating an environment where we get to have more of a voice. I also think that it's important to say like, if you had had that experience and I started on surgery and I had a not so great experience, because I had so few data points to compare it to, and I had kind of been prefaced that this was going to be a really tough environment. I didn't, I didn't, not that I didn't think, I didn't think I had like the, yeah, the enough authority in that situation, but it's so interesting. Like the more you go through these things and say like, oh, they I can be treated differently because I was in just as intensive an environment. And so I think it's really important for learners at the very early stages to know that it is possible and it is it feels really good to learn in an environment where like people respect you and that should be like the norm, not like the exception. Um, and to feel comfortable speaking up like even earlier on too. Well, and I think, you know, in, in relation to Alex, you know, the fact that you went straight through to medical school, like this, this is a difference that I think that I appreciate having taken, you know, five years off and work working in a different, a very, very different, like working environment. Um, is that that kind of, you know, I, I don't know exactly like what was said or, you know, the, over the course of the day to you and like whether it would qualify as like abusive, but like maybe there were, there were things that could have been approached in a different way. Right. But like oftentimes in third year, I'm just like, wow, I would never be treated this way in this, this past kind of like work life that I had. No, no one in this office environment where I was working with like a lot of people who are, you know, senior to me, much older than me would have ever spoken to me in this way. And I think, you know, people who go straight through, I don't think it's a, a good thing necessarily, but we're like, oh, okay. So this is my only norm, right? This is all I know. And so I just kind of accept it because I don't know differently. And it's all under the guise of providing like the best care possible. It's like, if you break down in this system, like we're going to not, it's going to hurt the baby. And it's like, no, that's not, that's actually not. If you can talk to me in a very respectful, direct way where we are moving through this like medical surgical process and like, it's not going to be changing like that comes for the patient. Sorry. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, like I said, and I said this to this attending is I don't have the expectation that people are going to be like nice and flowery to me all the time. We're doing a job and it should be always about the patient. Um, which by the way, that was kind of my thought too, which I don't know if it was, uh, just kind of what you're saying where a lot of this is under the guise of everything has to be in regards to providing a, a perfect product. But I was like, I am making this about me and not about the patient which I think can get you in the trap of not recognizing that you are also a human that has, like you guys said, a right to a workplace that's safe and productive and respectful. I also, I remember talking about this with a, a resident that I trust a lot. She said, can I swear? Yes. Yes. <laughs> she, said, Love it. she said shit rolls downhill, which is not a, a nice phrase, but she said, she, you know, she was saying, People who are frustrated with the way that maybe the surgeon spoke to them that day, and then maybe the way the resident spoke with them, and then maybe it all rolls down and we're at the bottom of the hill. And so we get all of the anger that they can get. Just covered in shit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like wiping my Anyone else. And so they take it out on us. Um, and I think it's kind of a cyclical process of then we become the attending that's yelling at everyone. And then the med student who gets inundated with all of this becomes jaded and it's just happening and happening. And I think 
you know, at a certain point, I didn't do anything wrong. And I also think we've, we talk about these acute moments where we like are experience like a kind of toxic workplace. And then we have these like kind of abstract conversations about, oh, burnout in medicine. Oh, like residents killing themselves. These are all connected. This is like, the, yes, this was one moment, but like death by a thousand cuts, like these things do build up unless we're going to decide to change the immediate culture that people are experiencing. Like there are very grave consequences of that, like happening over time to someone, um, especially when we sacrifice so much. And I think this is a good segue, but like we sacrifice so much to be in medicine and our, I think me and Shelby talk about often how our, like our highs and lows, even of our, just our personal days kind of are dictated by like what we're doing like the research and goes well or we're attending gives us good feedback like we're like literally like walking on rays of sunshine and then say a resident ignores us or we mess something up or we sound dumb present like we say something stupid presenting like are we get like really low and we can feel that when we come home and can't really shake it how have you found like some of these experiences of medicine like, kind of dictate either your like emotional bandwidth or your like self-worth I think you're completely right that we experience very high highs and very low lows. I think, unfortunately, a lot of the way that I interpret my abilities, or even I think a lot of this, and maybe because I went straight through a lot of my self-worth is very connected to this because it's been my whole life. Um, you know, when, a, when I get a compliment, like in the OR and they're like, wow, you're really good at that. And I feel so good it's so easily undone with critiques. And I think something that I've learned or that I'm, I think will be a lifelong process, but something that I'm working on is detangling my self-worth from my job. It's just not sustainable to feel this much all the time. Um, and myself, I, my hope in, in my future in medicine is that I will have a very happy and fulfilled life outside of medicine. I think we all hope for that. And I think looking at my self-worth more the way that everyone else in life does and their relationships and their family and the good work that they do or being there for the people that they love. Kind of transitioning that into how I define my self-worth and less so how good I am at medicine. <laughs> To your point of working, like because actually, ninety-five percent of other jobs, there's a much higher level of work-life balance. You do actually develop a sense of worth because you give to relationships, you give to other things. When those things are taken away, you sacrifice all these things. Like, if anything, you maybe get more intertwined in a way because you're like, I, I gave up so much. I lot like this is me now. I also don't know if this is. <laughs> my arrogance and I need you guys to reassure me that you also went to medical school this way but I think I had this like fantasy that I would be naturally good at this mm. and that I would get here and I would be like just a natural and then <laughs> the best. <laughs> it's not a thing because there wouldn't be residency if people were naturals right like right. And it's it's not something you could possibly be natural at like so much in medicine particularly at this stage is just like cramming a bunch of information into your brain, right? That's not something that, I, unless I mean, and people do, I guess, have photographic memories. Like I'm, I'm a natural like, vaccination schedule holder and developmental milestones is <laughs> naturally there. Right, yeah, exactly. Like it's just the, the notion that anyone could, you know, could be 
good at that without just a lot of hard work is mm-hmm. just like preposterous. I try to be thankful for um, being in this position. Like how many people in the world get to learn this much or have the privilege of spending four years and then another five years learning, like just learning. But I think trying to be a little bit more thankful is something, you know, I think we've also, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the things that we would change about medicine, but I am also trying to focus on being more thankful for where I am. Yeah. And I think that that's a really, that's a double-edged sword, right? So it's like, I, and so often, especially from parents, like, it's like, yeah, this is an opportunity. That's also hard because in those moments when like you deserve to feel a certain emotion, you're like gaslighting yourself. You're like, oh, but like, I'm so lucky to be here. So it's like, I think it's a very, and I think that people who come from underrepresented medical backgrounds, especially like, like there's this like thing of like, oh, I'm like so many people from a community don't get to be here. So like, I need to be strong and I need to show that this is something we can, we are just as qualified to do. But then it's like, I think doesn't necessarily allow the emotional processing around those moments because it's like this tug of emotional tug of war. So I think that, yes, letting both of those exist. And also I think gratitude framing is an incredibly helpful mindfulness and like mental health thing to do. And so that's really good to bring into this, but it can be tough. When I go through a really tough experience and afterwards there's like either the rotation ends or something good happens. Right. And like, you like forget, you almost like forget. And you like, everyone's like, I remember after step, it was so hard forever. Step is one of our medical board exams. Um, and everyone's like, oh, and like in, it was so hard. But then afterwards like, oh, it's fine. I'm fine. Like everything's good. And it's like, I don't want us to stew in it, but I do think that it's important to remember either like I had this thought of like writing a letter to myself like as a medical student that I would like read as a resident going forward but like I think that's it's important to think about how we're treating other people and it like recency effect like we're gonna forget the way maybe it feels or like we're gonna just like not have the time to remember um, or emotional bandwidth but yeah trying to bring some of that forward I think it's a really good way we can like change the system for the better. And be like the best people we were around because those those we know those people change us and they were existing even um, in tougher times. This podcast is intended to kind of explore this idea of burnout. How would you define burnout to start out with? I think there's a I think it's it's very multifaceted, but I think. I look at it as a defense mechanism in a system that um, kind of makes a lot of people um, kind of turn to this as a defense mechanism. I think kind of what we were saying about, you know, it's so emotionally charged to go through this. You feel the highs, you feel the lows. And we haven't even gotten into, you know, all of those feelings in regards to seeing our patients in pain, seeing people die the natural human reaction is to like compartmentalize and kind of remove that um, part of ourselves that feels all of it because at a certain point it becomes so painful that you just, I imagine I haven't reached there yet, but I, I, the way things are in medicine, I think a lot of us will have those points. Um, And I think that's where kind of the jaded or the, um, you know, the snapping, the um the pessimism comes from is that you kind of have to protect that part of yourself that feels everything yeah and I think that was so 
like eloquently said, like around this defense mechanism. And, you know, there is like that conscious, like, I can't feel it. There's also like models we know of chronic stress. Like I actually physiologically can't maintain this high of a level of like tenseness or intensity, like emotionally and like combined with lack of sleep and other things that like kind of recharge or help balance some of those things out in our body. Absolutely. Also, this process is bad for our bodies. I mean, like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I am having health problems because of the stress. Like I am now Mm. taking medications for my stomach because the stress is literally like being manifested in my body. Right. So that's another element of it that you kind of talked about. And I like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that I, I really like these specific examples because they drive home for people outside of this process, what this does to you. I remember during dedicated, you know, which is our study period um, for for the USMLE step one, uh, my lower, I have lower back, I have like herniated discs, like, like so many people do. Um, but the sitting, the sitting for 12 hours a day for, you know, however long, six weeks, um, I, I started taking NSAIDs. I started taking a lot of NSAIDs and, uh, that's, as we know, not great for your kidneys and also not great for your list, like the, the lining of your stomach and just having all of these issues sort of sort of compound. Um, and then of course, like there's that sort of psychosomatic element of like the ways in which we hold stress in our bodies. And I think that that exacerbated a lot of things. And like, I, and I think that those kind of on the, on this, on the spectrum of health issues that a person can experience around medical school, I feel like I've been fairly fortunate that that's kind of, you know, the worst of things that I've gone through, but certainly the, the toll this takes on your, on your body is it's, it's sort of insane to even look at like photos of myself, like three years ago. And just like, I like, I just feel in some ways, like, you know, you see like Obama pre-presidency and post-presidency, you know, and I'm just like, yes. I, <laughs> I have been uh, visibly, you know, physically affected by this um, yes. chronic stress, the lack of sleep, just like there's a real toll and, you know, not to mm-hmm. mention kind of the, the mental health aspects as well. And I want to like go a bit more into those specifics, like that. I think this is such a, is there any other parts that you feel about like your physical health that you felt like you've like neglected or has changed? Like what's your relationship with your body and how has that changed throughout medical school? Cause I think that's like, kind of like can be a proxy for a lot of these like emotional things we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm trying to get better at it. And I think we all say this and I've said this for the past four years, I'm trying to get better at it. Absolutely. I don't take care of my body. I mean, you know, I have been good during this rotation. I've been working out, I've been eating healthy, but I'm also in clinic mostly. And I have a lot more time. I know that when I'm on more surgical heavy rotations, I'm, I don't work out. Um, I don't have time to meal prep, so I'm not eating very healthy. Um, and you know, (laughs) we're standing, we're in painful positions. Um, you know, obviously there's the mental health aspect, but there's just like the physical wear and tear of this. Um, you know, sometimes I joke, but I think it's true. Like, I don't think this is good for our cardiovascular health. I don't, I can't imagine the wrinkles I'm working on on my face. Like, and it, you know, it's a joke and I, I don't want to make light of it, but you know, I do, I have said before, (laughs) I think it's true. I'm probably taking 10 years off of my life. Um, 
Yeah. And I, it's like kind of surreal for me that you're going into urology as someone who's had a parent. Um, my like dad has been in urology practicing for like a very long time now and painful positions, cardiovascular health, this like literal arthritis in his like shoulder. He does like, does his like main surgeon hand that he uses from holding it like that. It's just so ironic that like people in medicine sometimes are taking the worst care of their body and would never tell a patient to kind of do what we're doing. Oh, um, I mean, I wear a Fitbit every day and, um, there's like zone minutes, which I think it's your heart rate over 120. I get all of my zone minutes, which you're supposed to be getting from exercise, from being anxious when I'm being pimped in the OR or when I'm like nervous about something. And some days I will have like 50 zone minutes, which means I spent 50 minutes of that day with my heart rate over 120 because I'm feeling anxious. My resting heart rate's like 90. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I almost wish I didn't wear it because I, I, now that I know this, it's like, I don't have the time to fix it. I'm just sitting there stewing in this knowledge, that. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you know, it's getting this feedback is proof that it is not healthy on our bodies. Right. And I also like just the constant, you know, the chronic stress and the, the cortisol from that and all the, like the downstream effects, I think like thinking about inflammation, for example, right. Like, I just feel like you know, Ash and I have talked about how we've noticed that our, our wounds like heal more slowly, you know, like I, it's like, I, I just, I'll scar instead of heal properly. Right. Like, it's just like, you know, having these, it's, it's almost like having these physical manifestations of something that feels just like so internal. And on some level it's, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it affirms my worst suspicions, which are that, oh yeah, this has been really, really rough on me, you know? In, in a variety mm -hmm. when I see my varicose veins I'm like <laughs> I know this has been rough <laughs> right right exactly I would love to hear maybe some like on like a more hopeful like coping mechanisms maybe for like some of these things we've been talking um I mean I think the general like I'm trying to exercise more I'm trying to eat healthier um I'm a person that has struggled with anxiety my whole life and I take medication for it. I've been to therapy for it. So I think trying to maintain kind of the things that I've, I've honed over the years as kind of the perfect mix for me to feel, um, less anxious. Uh, but I think the main thing for me and the thing that I, I think have gotten better at doing is just prioritizing that I want to spend as much time with my friends and family as possible. And sometimes that means that like, I will, you know, I don't want to say leave early or um, not do a good job at my commitments, but when I go home now, I'm trying to be more selfish and say, I don't want to study right now. I don't want to prepare for the OR tomorrow. I want to go to trivia with my friends and that's going to make me happier and a better doctor. Um, so I think that getting better at that leaving for weekends and being like, I'm leaving and I'm going to go home and see my parents. I'm going to go to my friend's graduation. I'm going to go to my friend's birthday. Like this is what's keeping me sane. Um, and letting myself be, I don't even want to say selfish because it's, that's such a normal thing to do, but medicine, um, there's this culture of, um, you should be hundred percent committed. And I think I'm trying to not be a hundred percent committed in the sense that it's, important for me to have a life outside of this. Yeah. 
And I think that like, not to always have to tie it back to patients, but like, I think that, you know, these aren't selfish things, not only because like we deserve to just be human, but like, I think that, you know, patients don't really remember often like what you say, it's how you made them feel. And when you come in feeling full and recharged, that energy and the way you like can care for a person is palpable. And like, it has led to like better health outcomes. Like the behaviors and patterns we form now are how we're going to carry out basically, I think our residency and the rest of our lives in medicine. So it's so important to be intentional about them. Um, which it sounds like you are really finding those things that like fill your cup. Yeah. I was just looking at, you know, Alex, your, um, your comment about kind of, you know, what I'm going to do tonight is go to trivia with my friends, um, because that's what I need. And that's, you know, how I'm going to like show up tomorrow. Um, reminded me of this, um, this tweet, cause I love my Twitter, um, from Derek Paul, who's, who's a physician and he, He's, he writes, I'm just going to read it. The, the most difficult part of being an intern was experiencing a heightened awareness of the fragility and preciousness of life. And at the same time, having to give up so much of my own to the hospital. In end of life conversations, I faced the fact that no one wishes they had worked more hours or written more papers or accomplished more professionally. They wish they allowed themselves to be happier, followed more dreams and experienced more time and joy with loved ones. I'm not sure how medicine, despite its intimate familiarity with the nature of life, developed a professional culture so demanding that it stops you from prioritizing what's most important, family, love, physical, and mental health. But I don't think it has to be this way. And it's just, I think that like, that's this tension that I have yet to reconcile slash like don't want to reconcile, which is like, how are we as, as people in medicine who have often, I think, particularly rotating, you know, in my case, you know, I'm, I'm, rotations like gyne onc truly seeing people die you know um seeing the people at the, the end of their lives and and never being like more acutely aware of the preciousness of life and what really matters most which i think in the ultimate like ultimately is like family love friendship um how we can like give to our communities and like in a in a professional environment in a training environment that could not reward you less for prioritizing those things Um, I, so just, I guess, could, this could be the last question, a last question. Uh, what are you just most excited about this coming year? Um, I mean, it's hard to, I think I'm so nervous about matching, but I'm also really excited, assuming that I match, to find out where I'm going to spend five years of my life. Um, I'm really excited for a new chapter. <laughs> um, Urology, I'm applying to like 80 places just because there's so few spots in urology residencies. And so I'm looking at the list of places I'm applying and I could be moving to Boston. I could be moving to New York. I could be moving um, all these different places. I'm also trying to visit a lot of the places that I'm thinking about. So that's also exciting. Um, but it's exciting to look towards the future and have this new chapter, assuming that I match. But no, it's funny because I, you know, in OBE at this point, we're applying to a similar number of programs. And yeah, I was joking with Ash, like what if you're the programs are in places where I've, you know, it's, I only have like the faintest idea of what they're like. So it's like, oh, New Mexico, like I'm going to buy some turquoise jewelry and really get into the desert or like Vermont, like I'm going to get like, I'm going to hike and I'm going to like meet Bernie Sanders, you know, <laughs> yeah. and have amazing maple syrup. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like we're just kind of like, it's, it's an insane process, but I think having, looking at it as, 
kind of exciting also, you know? Yes. Um, if we went into all like the uncertainties around, you know, I think a lot of people are like, well, you're just going to open an envelope and you're going to go somewhere. And I, obviously there's like a lot of things we can talk about. Like there's ways that we'll know kind of a little bit better sense of where we're going to end up through this e next year. But like we being remaining curious and excited and open-minded to like what our lives could look like because we've gone through a lot of uncertainty and it's worked out. Well, yeah. I'm excited to see where we all end up. It's going to be a really embarrassing podcast to listen to if I don't match. It's going to really be <laughs> No, but we'll see. It's exciting. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to to talk with us. And, you know, I think that yeah, it's it's everything that I hoped it could be in that uh, so much of what you're saying are things that I've thought to myself. Yes. Well, thank you guys for having me. I was uh, panicked that I wouldn't have anything interesting to say. So I think it's great that you guys are talking about these things. I think if I had listened to this first year, I probably would have um, had a better time or felt less alone, to be completely honest.